Welcome to the revolution. Hello, and welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams, and today we have a jam-packed episode for you guys, covering the wildest and most controversial topics of the last week. First, we got to get this one out of the way because it's kind of a big one, (laughs) is discussing Alec Baldwin's recent charge of involuntary manslaughter in the tragic, horrific death of Helena Hutchins, if you could recall, on the set of Russ. We'll be diving into all the details of that case and examining his role in the absolutely preventable tragedy that occurred. After that, we will be discussing the recent arrest of teenage climate activist Greta Thunberg. We'll be exposing the truth behind her recent so-called arrest and examining her role in the larger globalist agenda. We'll also be discussing the recent controversy surrounding Philadelphia Flyers defenseman Ivan Provorov and his decision to sit out during a warm-up skate that involved wearing a gay pride-themed hockey jersey. And uh, he did so due to his religious beliefs, and he got interviewed, and it was it was pretty interesting. We'll also be discussing Stephen Crowder. I'm sure you have heard of him, as well as the Daily Wire ran by uh, Ben Shapiro, um, basically incentivizing their creators to walk the line of big tech censorship in order to maintain their contracted pay, which is obviously concerning if you're somebody who is interested in following influencers who are also interested in freedom of speech. Right. If you don't, if if you have to be weary of speaking your actual opinion when you're one of these little single largest influencers in the space, and you have to follow the guidelines of YouTube or fear getting docked your pay, that's an issue, right? So, so we'll discuss that. We'll see. I, I have some differing opinions on the the matter. I have some differing opinions on who was right, who was wrong. I don't think it's a clear cut answer, but I will discuss where I think Steven Crowder went wrong, where I think the Daily Wire is going wrong, and talk about some of the interviews that I listened to surrounding this. Uh, Candace Owens spoke out about this. Basically, every single person from the Daily Wire spoke out about this, and Steven Crowder has just been going off on social media about it. So we'll talk about that. And then finally, we'll be discussing the recent controversy surrounding actress Jamie Lee Curtis and her display of a unbelievably disturbing piece of art that she posted that was in the background of a picture she posted on Instagram, which was showing a dead child inside of a suitcase hanging from the wall in her office. It's just so so disturbing to me how consistently this is coming up right? How, how often we're seeing these depictions popping up in these wildly successful people's uh, backgrounds and in their houses. And, you know, we'll talk about all of it. Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission. A mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain 
and I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. All right. To everyone's surprise, finally, Alec Baldwin is facing justice for his role in the tragic and preventable death of Helena Hutchins on the set of his movie Rust. Prosecutors have actually announced that Baldwin will be charged with involuntary manslaughter, and absolutely rightfully so. Recent findings show that Baldwin had ammunition, live ammunition that was found on the set mixed with fake ones uh, with empty rounds. And then the rest of the film crew, basically what they found was to have a extremely consistent pattern of criminal disregard for safety, which resulted in the death of Hutchins. Now, Baldwin's not the only one who's actually being tried here and has been charged with these things. The armorer on set has also been charged, but we'll get to that in just a minute. The maximum punishment that Alec Baldwin can get out of this is five years. That's the maximum punishment. And on, you know, obviously, even if he gets the maximum punishment, he's going to serve two years at some BS celebrity prison where he gets to have his cell phone and watch TV all day. Like, it's it's terrible to think that that is what they're going to give him is the maximum of five years. He literally pointed a weapon on set without checking it without any proper regard for the safety of firearms and pulled the trigger, pointing it directly at this woman, which resulted in her death. That's willful negligence. So the fact that five years is all they're talking about at this point is disgusting to me. And it only shows that if somebody else was in this case, if there was a B, like a, 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 a bunch of buddies filming a, a documentary together, and as a result, one got shot and killed, on set, you bet your ass, if they're not Alec Baldwin, they're getting more serious charges than this. Absolutely positive they're getting more serious charges than this. And the only reason that this is happening this way is because it's a mainstream set of a movie and it's Alec Baldwin, right? I hope for the family of, of Helena Hutchins that, you know, he actually gets convicted of this, which will be, you know, kind of a stretch given how much money is going to go behind his legal defense. But along with Alec Baldwin, the film's armorer, who was in charge of weapons on the set, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, will also face two counts of involuntary manslaughter, according to New Mexico First Judicial District Attorney Mary Carmack Altuyas. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Altuyas. A-L-T-W-I-E-S. Okay. The first assistant director, David Halls, has also been charged with neglect with negligent use of a deadly weapon, which is likely to lead to six months of probation. This also goes to show that basically the entire crew had some way, shape, or form involvement in this. And then there are so many steps that should have been taken to where this should have been prevented, right? There's no reason at all that this should have happened. But the person who pulled the trigger has a maximum potential sentence of five years. Now, Baldwin's attorney, Luke Nikas, has released a statement claiming that his decision distorts Helena Hutchins' tragic death and represents a terrible miscarriage of justice, according to them. Right? BS. But let's be real. The only miscarriage of justice here is that Baldwin will face only five years. Right? That's the, literally the only, the only thing that's wrong about this. Uh, the only thing that's wrong about the judicial system in this case is not that they're trying Alec Baldwin. It's that they're only going to give him five years when he murdered this woman, a wife, 
right? Somebody who has loved ones waiting at home for them every single day. And this man's going to get five years and she gets put six feet in the ground. Now, Baldwin's attorney claims that Baldwin had no reason to believe that there was a live bullet in the gun. But obviously that's no excuse for not checking when you're the one actually pulling the trigger, right? Baldwin relied on the professionals with whom he worked with is what the, the quote says here. Um, but at the end of the day, he's the one pulling the trigger. He's the one with the weapon. He's the one who is pointing it in her direction and firing it. Anybody anybody with any sort of firearms experience or firearms training, and you bet your ass that you should go through firearms training if you're constantly holding weapons in all of these films, would have checked that weapon. Would have had, at the very least, at the very least, been there when it was loaded, right? And, 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 and the bigger question here is why was there any live ammunition on the set to begin with? What was the purpose of that? Why would there be any reason for there to be live ammunition on the set? No reason. No reason at all that that should have been the case. Involuntary manslaughter is a fourth degree felony and is normally punishable by up to 18 months behind bars and a $5,000 fine, but a firearm enhancement. Now that would have been terrible, obviously, if you just got 18 months, but because of a firearm enhancement on the charges, it could make the crime punishable by a mandatory sentence of five years in jail. Now, mandatory is... A nice thing to hear there, right? This is the least that he obviously deserves for doing this. Uh, Helena Hutchins' family actually came out in support of this. They said that they support them actively engaging in going after him for these charges. Five years is is a slap on the wrist. Now, if you recall, like, I don't know, it was a, on the one-year anniversary of him shooting her, like as if there should be any anniversary there. Alec Baldwin posted on social media and commented, like had the caption that said one year ago today with a picture of her face. Super weird. Like almost like it was like her birthday or something like one year ago today, I married my wife. No, one year ago today, you shot a woman and killed her in front of you. Could you imagine being on this set? Do you imagine watching this gun go off and this woman die in front of you? While on a movie set, how tragic for everybody on the set to have to have witnessed that. And he's sitting here posting on Instagram as if it was a birthday party or something like one year ago today and then said nothing about it. He got roasted, absolutely roasted in the comments for posting that, uh, but he stuck to his guns on it. He's, he's just a weird, weird character weird character. I don't see how they don't convict him for this with everything that's happened here. And again, like I said, just to set an example here, just to set an example, right? Make sure that everybody involved from now on, I don't know, maybe check the ammunition before you fire it as somebody on the film crew. The next thing we're going to discuss here is going to be to the surprise of absolutely nobody, Greta Thornburg pretended to be arrested during a protest against the expansion of a coal mine in Germany. As many of you already know, a video of the incident surfaced recently, went like crazy on social media. I know I saw it all over Twitter on almost every single post where Greta went on there and, you know, boasted about how she was there and how the police came and uh, all of these news networks came in and were like, Greta Thornburg arrested, Greta Thornburg arrested. And then <laughs> the very first comment on every single one of the news channels was 
the video of her, and if you haven't seen the video, you got to go watch it, was a video of her while these two cops were around her, holding her there for pictures, like as if this was a, a, a meet and greet. And then there's all these pictures that go around of her being like held like she's a seven-year-old child by her parents playing, you know, when you would like get thrown around. Like she's sitting there with this smug little smirk on her mouth. She knew what she was doing. So did her team, right? They, she knew where they were going. It's it's no coincidence that there was an entire media team there to capture this event at some random rally in Germany, Right? Yeah, probably not a coincidence, right? Let's, and this is the thing about Greta Thornburg. She's not some innocent little child, right? Who wants to save the world. No, she she's a pawn. She's a pawn being used by a larger global agenda, by, by mainstream news corporations, by people like the World Economic Forum elites, all of those major conglomerates out there that are using her as a face and this recent this recent arrest is just literally just another example of her and her you know social media teams and 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 videographers manipulation for their own gain right attention 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 right and there's probably no coincidence that it happened while the world economic forum meeting was actually going on so anyways in in the video greta's participating in like what it says they call a sit-in right before being pulled away from police but what's even crazier is the fact that later she's seen when she's being like all these pictures came out of her being pulled by the police and then she's seen smiling and posing for for the photographers while being held by the police officers and then one of the police officers actually looks at her and goes i didn't know you were famous can i get a selfie hmm yeah, she wasn't getting arrested. She was taking a, another five minutes of fame to put on Twitter, just like her her back and forth banter with with Andrew Tate, right? And and let's not forget here that the police actually came out and stated that Thornburg was not formally arrested and was just taken to a police van and they had to take her ID and get her contact information. She was not arrested, right? She wasn't put in cuffs and thrown in the German jail. Like I said, seems a little bit too convenient to me that you have how many how many random cold like how many like rallies are there on a daily basis and how many times are there, is there unbelievable amounts of media coverage at a sit in with 50 people at it. Right now, there was a video that went around of like these cops sprinting from one side of the other and just like mowing over some of these protesters. And then later they're taking selfies with Greta. Right. Like, why? Why didn't they like tackle her like an outside linebacker? Like that. That's the video we wanted to see. But the video that we got was probably even better because it was. Showing you a peek behind the curtain of what's actually going on here right now, maybe the police weren't in on it. Right. But there was enough. There was enough evidence here to show that that they at least partook and were not had had not had any intention. And the mainstream media came out and ran with it. Right, every tweet from every mainstream media company was talking about how she got arrested. No, she did not. She took a photo with cops with and and got carried in the mud like a like a little baby. <laughs> so stupid, and so. 
you see that in, and this is almost everything she's done has been a publicity stunt, right? All of her speeches are written for her. All of her back and forth banter on Twitter is ran by a PR team. All of these things that she's doing is not by her own free will. She has a team behind her that is pushing her. And if you want to know who's probably behind that team, rewind and listen to what I just talked about with the World Economic Forum and all of these political and business elites going coming out and talking about how we should be eating bugs during the World Economic Forum meeting last week, right? It's it's very, very evident that Greta Thornburg is playing a game and they're using the media to their advantage to keep this conversation going, right? They're using a literal child who on her own Twitter page claims to be autistic, like maybe maybe not the, the forefront, you know, intellectual leader that we're looking for on, on the, the science behind potential changing of our global atmosphere and rising tides. <laughs> what is her, what is her actual, like, what are her credentials? Did she, is she a scientist? There's literally no credentials that Greta Thornburg has to actually be in the, the position. And I say Thornburg because that's her damn name in whatever part of the, the metaverse that I come from, because it was never Thunberg until the last two weeks. I promise you, I talked about this with the Andrew Tate thing. I know 100% it is the Bernstein Bears, and it is Greta Thornburg. 100%. I am from the universe where it is Thornburg, not Thunberg. Thunberg. How stupid. Anyways, now we know. Right now we know 100%. We see through all of the lies and the manipulation. Right? This is not about saving the planet. This is about control and power. This is about raising the conversation of the World Economic Forum elites. This is about you stopping eating meat and starting to eat bugs. This is about you changing your vehicle from a vehicle that you can get gas and put it into the vehicle and drive wherever the hell you want and changing that into an electric vehicle that they can turn off at a moment's notice. They don't want you driving a 1990 Jeep Wrangler. They want you driving a Tesla because they can press a button and now you have no transportation because you said something they didn't like on Twitter. This is about social credit scores, right? This is about your personal carbon footprint. And obviously, this publicity stunt was all in an effort to put her name back in the news after the Andrew Tate thing within a week or two. Like, you think it's any coincidence that she's back in the news a week and two later, right? Of course not. You think it's any coincidence that there happened to be a ton of journalists there waiting to take pictures and photos and videos of her only at the right times besides the one angle that we got where we actually saw that it was a photo op, right? Like, crazy, crazy. All right, the next thing we're going to discuss after this is going to be Jamie Lee Curtis and her creepy, weird little art that she had on her wall. But before I do that, what I need you to do is go ahead and hit that subscribe button, all right? Leave a five-star review. There's very few things that you can do in your day to get some positive karma and help a brother out, right? You're listening. You've been listening for 20 minutes now. And obviously, you're still here. So I would appreciate it if you are listening for the first time. If you have not subscribed yet, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. The next thing I need you to do is go over and leave a five-star review. All right? Now, I don't have the Daily Wire coming on here and paying me to do this. I'm just asking you to subscribe and leave a review. 
All right. The next thing you need to do is go to redpillrevolution.substack.com and sign up for the podcast companion. Every single week, I put all of the articles, all of the links, all the videos, all the topics, the video podcast, the audio podcast, all of it directly to your email. And all you got to do is go to redpillrevolution.co or go directly to redpillrevolution.substack.com and subscribe. Okay, it doesn't cost you anything. If you would like to become a paid subscriber, you can do so at the very bottom. And I think it's like $7. All right. And I and my family would appreciate it if you like what I'm doing here. Okay. So Substack. And I'm going to start be putting, I'm going to start be putting, I'm going to start putting out some consistent articles and blog posts on the website. So make sure you check out redpillrevolution.co.com is for losers. And I will see you there with all of the awesome new content that I'm going to be putting up there consistently. Uh, I think you guys are going to be uh, pretty happy with it all. So redpillrevolution.substack.com or redpillrevolution.co. All right. Now, the next thing is going to be that Jamie Lee Curtis has been caught with a unbelievably disturbing piece of art on her wall depicting a dead child in a suitcase hanging from a canvas in her office in a post on Instagram that was just in the background that she obviously did not realize that she had posted until a bunch of people commented on it, screenshotted it, and then she deleted it immediately. That is right, folks. The Freaky Friday mom is a bit more freaky than we originally anticipated. The art piece in question appears to be a child contorted, like a naked child contorted, who looks to be dead or sleeping, stuffed inside of a suitcase. Hmm. Makes you wonder a little bit if Jamie Lee Curtis has the same interior decorator as Tony Podesta and Jeffrey Epstein. Because if you go look back at some of the photos that they had, it was just as creepy. Right now, my question around all of this is, who the hell are these artists? How much did this woman pay for this piece of disturbing art? And why do these artists think that people want to purchase this in the first place? especially at a high price tag to somebody like Jamie Lee Curtis or Tony Podesta or Jeffrey Epstein, all of these people worth millions of dollars. There's no coincidences here, right? No coincidences at all that all these rich and powerful people have weird, sadistic, violent, and sexual art on their walls, right? So there's a market for it. Right? Who are these artists is what we should be really going after too. Right? It's not only the celebrity that did it and purchased the art and put it on their wall and posted a picture of it on Instagram, but also the artist who decided to draw this and sell it to them. Like, Don't just go after the celebrity. Go after the artist. Let's, let's absolutely find out who these artists were. Who are the artists that Tony Podesta was purchasing his, his artwork from? How about Jeffrey Epstein? How about Jamie Lee Curtis? Let's figure that out. Let's find it out. Who were the artists that did this? And then we start going after them too. It shouldn't just be about the celebrity who purchased it. It should be about the creator of art because that's who we need to question. What makes you believe 
that somebody out there wants to spend $27,000 or $220,000, however the hell much money you guys spend on this stupid piece of art depicting a dead, naked child in a suitcase. And why do you think that people want to buy that? Right? That seems to be a pretty good question to me. Right? Not only are we talking about the celebrities, but we're also talking about the artists. That should be a topic of conversation. And this immediately on the backs of the Balenciaga situation. Right? Immediately. Right? It's like this, this, this it, it promotes and normalizes the sexualization of children in child abuse. Right? It, it, it raises sincere questions about like, why, why are all these people in, in positions of power promoting that? Why would they want to stare at that every day? When I walk into my office at work, the last thing I want on the wall when I'm having a business meeting is a painting of a naked child dead in a suitcase. Who would want that over their desk in their office? And then who's stupid enough to post a picture of it on Instagram? <laughs> Apparently, Jamie Lee Curtis, right? And, and, and I guarantee you, she is a holier-than-thou liberal pointing at everybody but herself and their actions for, for, you know, being what's wrong with humanity, right? No surprises if that's the case. Now, I don't know if that's 100% the case, but I would not be surprised at all, right? And Jamie Lee Curtis has not even come out and addressed this at all. She hasn't responded to this. She hasn't talked to any news outlets. None of it. You know what she did? She silenced the comments on Instagram. That's what she did. All she did was get rid of comments. I don't even want to hear from you about my dead child sexualized artwork on the wall in a suitcase. Don't want to hear about it. Right? Now, now there's an interesting correlation. If you want to dive a little bit deeper into the meaning of art, which is why most people purchase it, what does it make you feel when you look at it? Right? How does it make you feel? Some art makes you feel happy. Some art makes you, you know, look deeper into yourself and, 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 or motivated or, you know, whatever those feelings are, sad, ha mad, happy, right? Whatever that is, right? That's what art's supposed to do is drive emotion. What emotion is this driving? Right. But back to the fact that she literally just didn't say a word about it, has yet to say a word about it, and then just disables comments because she doesn't want to hear about you being upset that she has a naked child on her wall in a suitcase appearing dead. Right. It, it's it, it. And here's the problem that I have with this. Absolutely nothing happened with Balenciaga. Right, there was a couple weeks of outrage. Now, I hope that their brand plummets and continues to plummet. I think that there's definitely been a little bit of a movement behind looking at people who are buying Balenciaga and promoting it and and understanding that this is what they do. Right? This is what they're they, they, a lot of their artwork that they want to call it entailed these little subtweeting of child exploitation or sa satanism or right? Whatever it was, right? So, so, so we, in the same way that you see Kanye just get literally ripped apart and canceled, I guarantee you nobody's doing that to Jamie Lee Curtis. I don't think she's going to lose her Chase Sapphire card. Do you? Probably not, right? So I, it's sad to see that there's not been more of a conversation around it. Right. And, and and some people are outraged and some people are talking about it. But if she still gets work after this, like, why would anybody want to be associated with that?
right? Who, who are these artists? Why, you know, the fact that she's not even talking about it, right? Not even responding to this. She doesn't even feel the need to, 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 to put a statement out, right? So moving on. Now, the next thing we're going to talk about, there's been a ton of controversy surrounding the Philadelphia Flyers and their defenseman, Ivan Provorov. Provorov. I think I'm saying that right. All right. For those of you who don't know, Provorov basically declined to go out during the warm-up skates before the game where the team was being made to wear uh, pride jerseys, like uh, rainbow pride, gay pride jerseys. Okay. Kind of a weird thing to have your team do in the first place. Um, but the reason that he didn't do it wasn't because he hates gay people, right? The reason he doesn't do it, he did it, didn't do it was because he's intolerant of other people, right? He, that's not the, that's not the case. He came out and said that the reason that he didn't want to do it was because of his religious beliefs. When asked about his religious beliefs, he said that he was a Russian Orthodox Christian. Okay. And they were just like pressing him, pressing him, pressing him at this news conference. And he's like, if you have any hockey questions, I'm happy to answer them. But I, I don't see the point in me continuing to answer these questions, right? Now, obviously, you guys know this. I'm a big proponent in the First Amendment. And that obviously includes the freedom of religion, right? That's kind of a big one in the United States here, right? The National Hockey League, the United States National Hockey League, right? It's a fundamental right now, often overlooked in today's world and undervalued in our society, but he has every right to live and practice his religion as he sees fit. He has every right to decline to wear a pride jersey if that's what he wants to do, right? And he did it so respectfully, like he, he, he didn't come out and condemn gay people and say that he didn't agree with it or the, the trans community. He didn't do any of that. All he said was, it's, for my religious reasons, I don't feel like wearing it. And he was just getting torn to shreds. Right, he was getting condemned. People were calling for him to be punished and to be fined. Right, a bunch of like crazy left uh, news organizations were condemning him, saying that he should have even gotten like a million dollar fine from the Flyers. And and it's it's crazy. He has absolutely every right to make a personal decision based on his religious beliefs, and he should not be punished for that at all. Right, it's it's important to note. Right, like I already said, he he showed no ill will at all towards the gay community, towards the LGBTQ plus LMNOP community. All he said was he made a personal decision based on his religious beliefs, and he stated that he respects everybody. He did he didn't come out and condemn anybody, anybody at all. Right, all he said was, "I it's just not my thing. I'm not going to go out there and, and and promote that actively." And he shouldn't have to. He's not a show pony. He's an athlete. He's not an actor. He's not a, a, a brand ambassador. He got paid millions of dollars to go play hockey, not to go pay, play political games for the Philadelphia Flyers organization, right? And what's funny about this is you see the reaction and where nobody wants the NHL to be. The NHL the last three to four years has gotten extremely woke, right? I grew up playing hockey since I was three years old till I was 18. I did pretty good. I played AAA hockey in, in you know, a, a very, very competitive area growing up. And, you know, the, the hockey community was always generally right leaning, I would say. Um, it was generally in, in more higher income areas, which has an association there, but, but it was never like, 
it was never used, the NHL was never used in the same way the NBA was being used. It was never used in the same way the NFL, even like with, with, uh, what's his name? Um, all the football players, right, kneeling during the national anthem. That wasn't happening in the NHL, right? They weren't playing the political games. And and recently, you know, the the, the NHL's Twitter is like, uh, or for a while at least, I know it was like a, a pride flag in the background. Like, <laughs> I saw something from the Babylon Bee that says if if Ivan Pravlov said <laughs> that that if he wanted to promote if he, if he wanted to promote gay pride, he would have played soccer. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the greatest it, it, the Babylon Bee does not miss not once almost everything they post is just unbelievable um all right let's see what else we got here oh yeah his jersey sold out completely right his number nine jersey sold out on, on the online NHL shop and the fanatic stores worldwide after he he did this Right. So it goes to show you that there are many, many people out there that share his beliefs and share the value of, you know, share and believing the value of religious freedom and the right to personal choice. Right. Politics should stay out of sports. There's no reason for it. Athletes should absolutely not be punished for making personal decisions based on their political, religious, uh, ideological beliefs, philosophical beliefs. None of it. Right. And I'm quite proud of the community for standing up and showing that with their dollars, right? Nobody was, nobody was, you know, at least from that perspective, like maybe some media companies and stuff were calling for him to get fined. But as, as a consumer base, the, the hockey community rallied around him and obviously showed with their money that they don't care for your pride jerseys in warmups. You got the wrong guys. Right, this is not the NFL. This is not the NBA. Right, and apparently this isn't the uh, you know the World Cup of Soccer. Um, anyways, and as a reminder, the Supreme Court ruled seven to two. Right, when you recall back in 2018, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the baker when it came to baking a cake for a gay couple around around their religious beliefs. Supreme Court ruled seven to two overwhelmingly in favor of the baker to express his political beliefs, even in a business context. Right. And this isn't even for him a business context. If I, I, I promise you, it does not say that he has to wear gay pride jerseys in his warmups in his contract with the Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> right? I, I would be very, very surprised if that was the case. Right. I, I'm pretty sure that's not not what would have ended up being in his contract. You know, the next time they sign somebody, it might be after this happened, although they'll lose out on the jersey sales, which would probably, you know, they don't care about that. They care about looking woke to the companies who are buying advertisements from them, right? And that's the bigger problem with this. They're not even concerned about their base anymore. They're not concerned about what people want to consume because I promise you a vast majority of the NHL consumer base is not liberal. Majority of the players who grew up playing hockey at least in the United States, are not liberal, right? You're not going to find an Antifa member on basically any of the NHL teams. You're not going to find somebody with a Black Lives Matter sticker on the back of their car, like I said, on very, very few NHL players' cars, right? It's not a liberal sport, per se. Not Definitely not as much as the NBA or the NFL, right? They, they're trying to make it that way so they can play ball with these big corporations who want them to, 
right? I don't know who owns the NHL at this point, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Disney. So anyways, I'm glad to see that that was the outcome at least, right? I'm very happy to see that people spoke with their dollars and made this happen in this way where there was a positive outcome for him, right? I hope he got some royalties out of those jerseys at the very least. <laughs> All right. The next thing we're going to discuss is going to be um, Steven Crowder and the Daily Wire. All right. In the world of conservative entertainment, uh, there has been rising tensions between two of the biggest players in the game. That is Steven Crowder and the Daily Wire. The Daily Wire being owned, or at least ran, you know, the, the face of the Daily Wire is Ben Shapiro, right? You have people like Candace Owens, you have, you know, uh, Clavin, you have uh, Brett Cooper, you have, you know, all of the mainstream, the largest influencers in the conservative space come from or are some way associated with Daily Wire. The few that aren't are like Tim Pool, and that's about it. Steven Crowder, right? Those are like the two really, really big, huge, massive platforms that aren't in some way associated with the Daily Wire, which I think is awesome. I think it's really cool what the Daily Wire is trying to do with the Daily Wire Plus coming out with movies with people like Gina Carano, right? There's so much positivity coming out of there that I was like really disappointed to see this come up, right? This, this is not a conversation I want to take a side in, right? I, I'm in full support of The Daily Wire. I really like Ben Shapiro's content. I love Jordan Peterson. You know, Brett Cooper's great. Her her social media content and everything is like top notch. Uh, Candace Owens, obviously one of the most intelligent and, and well-spoken people in the conservative space. Uh, the list goes on, right? Uh, the, the, what is the woman documentary? All of it, all of it, all of it is incredible stuff. So, and been a fan of Steven Crowder for quite some time. I love his content, his comedy, everything. So like, this is not something where I really want to like wear a Jersey in this. Now I have opinions about all of it and I'm going to tell you all of them anyways. Uh, but it hurts me to have to even, you know, choose sides here, which I'm not exactly doing, but I'll tell you what I find wrong and right with both sides of the argument, and you can distinguish for yourself what you think my total overarching beliefs are, but I don't think I have an exact side that I believe in here. Anyways, so this week, Steven Crowder came out and publicly accused the Daily Wire of designing their influencers' contracts to toe the line of big tech censorship policies, or at the very least, have to pay have their pay be docked for every single violation against them, right? So if you have a YouTube platform and you get demonetized, if you have a Facebook and you get a strike against you from YouTube or a, a demonetized from Facebook, or you get a violation from Instagram, every single one of those things has a like stepping percentage that you lose of your income as a result of being demonetized. Right now, I think there's some Something to be said about that, and we'll get into that in just a moment, but we'll, let's go on. Um, in a video posted on his channel, Crowder stated that big tech is in bed with big con, big con being conservative, right? So talking about the Daily Wire, Daily Wire is obviously the biggest conservative platform out there, right? So, and he went on to criticize um, an offer that he received from the Daily Wire without specifically naming the company, right? So the next day, the Daily Wire CEO, Jeremy Boring, posted a response video in which he confirmed that the company had initially offered Crowder a whopping $50 million contract uh, 
but also claimed that Crowder was misrepresent had misrepresented what was in the offer. Right, Boring also denied that the Daily Wire was working with big tech companies to censor conservative voices and stated that the company has also been a victim of big tech's alleged censorship, obviously with all the people that you're talking about here. Right, so um, he read the contract verbatim, right? The, uh, Boring is is the uh, ex or president or vice president of the Daily Wire, right? He, he was, um, and, and this is the like one of the bigger problems here is that Crowder is like friends with these people and he came out in this big like gotcha moment and re released a recording that he had a conversation with Boring and Boring said something about, it sounded to me like the discussion went like this. Like they were talking about how Crowder had a problem with the clause in the contract. And it wasn't a contract. It was a term sheet. And the difference between a term sheet and a contract is that one's binding and to be signed, the term sheet is to start the negotiations, right? So in the term sheet that they originally gave to Crowder, which generally ends up causing negotiations, not, you know, recorded phone calls and released social media stuff, uh, the term sheet said, you know, what those stepping down demonetization percentages were for his pay of that 50 million if he got demonetized on any of those platforms or strikes or whatever, right? And that's the problem with this is that those strikes mean that you have to watch what you say, right? Now, there is a part of the Daily Wire, the Daily Wire Plus that's coming out where you can kind of negate that issue, right? The, the hope is that they replace YouTube with the Daily Wire Plus, I would assume, Right. And in that case, hopefully they wouldn't have to to watch their mouths and their opinions. But at the very least, what happens is the Daily Wire takes on these smaller, younger influencers and brings them up through their platform. Right. That's the idea, at least. So they take these contracts, they give them to the person, they pay them a salary, and then they take ownership of all of their content. Right. All of the videos, all the podcasts, uh, you know, costs and advertisements in space. And they give you a salary, let you grow your brand. And then, you know, eventually your contract needs to be renewed and hopefully you can, you know, renew it at a really nice millions of dollar contract like they were offering Crowder to begin with. And so where Crowder had a problem with that is he felt like if they're doing the same thing to up and coming influencers, right, saying that, you know, what about that young person that they're going to be hiring to bring up through the ranks? And, you know, if they're going to be, you know, have to watch everything they say and, and or fear getting their percentages paid because people were like kind of pissed that he was even upset when they're offering him $50 million over four years. Crowder went back and asked for $140 million in a pretty interesting way of negotiation, tried to get them to immediately triple the amount that they were offering him. Um, but anyway, so that was the term sheet. That was what he had a problem with. And then he came out and said, you know, and released a recording, right? Crowder um, basically said that uh, the, the feud started with these two figures when the large scared divisions, right? While Crowder accuses them of betraying conservative principles, right? The, the, the principle of freedom of speech, of not holding back what you're thinking and, and, and not having to give in to big tech censorship, right? Now, despite the tensions of the disagreement, right? I think the biggest thing here needs to be the freedom of speech aspect, right? We, we need to maintain on the right side, at least to the anti-left side of things, the anti-woke liberal ideology, that freedom of speech above all, right? So I get Crowder's point in that. I get why he came out and had a problem with this, but I don't get his approach in the way that he recorded a phone call with a friend 
and then released this gotcha clip. What the clip said, Steven Crowder recorded the clip, and in the clip, you see them kind of discussing the the thing that I just talked about, which is the docking of pay based on percentages and, and if you get a violation from social media platforms. And Crowder released a clip of him talking about, of Boring, talking about how they go about that salary way and say, you know, that's how we do it. We bring them on and they're wage slaves and they can grow their brand and build a following and then go off and and be famous basically, right? That's what we do. We bring them on, give them a salary. If we think that they can make great content and then we let them flourish later, you know, we, we allow them to, to build a platform while making money at the same time, instead of out here bootstrapping it like your boy, trying to make it happen without anybody. So Crowder released the clip of him saying wage slaves. He like slowed it down a bunch of times. Wage slaves, wage slaves. And, and, and it, was, it was supposed to be this big gotcha moment. Now, I understand what he means by wage slave. Wage slave is not like this ridiculously insulting term. It just means that you are slave to the wages that you're making in order to meet your bills, right? I understand that concept. It's not this like crazy, you know, idea that like Crowder was trying to play to his base and make it seem like boring was insulting all of these influencers on, on these types of salary contracts. I don't really see much wrong with what he said in the recording. I don't at all. I don't see any reason that it should have been this big gotcha moment. I don't see any reason that Crowder should have thought this was going to like drive a ton of interest in, in his debate with these people. Right. So I, I don't agree with it. It seems wrong to me that Crowder to begin with was recording a phone call with somebody he considered a friend. You know, Boring came out and said in the tweet, like, I if I recorded it, I would have released the part where we talked about his kids and buying and how Christmas went and buying diapers for his nephew or son or something like that. Right. He's, he's basically saying like, man, uh, I feel stupid because he was recording my phone calls all along, right? And these negotiations that had happened like months ago, it wasn't like this was a super recent thing. And what Tim Poole found out live while on an episode with Candace Owens discussing this was that from one of his audience members commenting was that the big, you know, say like what well, the, whatever the URL that he had, like say no to big con or something like that dot com that he registered was registered 12 days before the negotiations like fell through or so before something happened that caused him to make this move. So what that led everybody to believe is that this was calculated, right? That was like Candace Owens position was that, you know, he's only doing this to make money. She called him a bad person. She said that, you know, he, he burned all these bridges with all these people. And, and now he's like off on an island on his own. And now he's trying to build a following on his own platform because everybody said no to him at the amount of money that he was asking for the 140 million over four years or whatever. So understandable. That seems frustrating to me. That seems like kind of shady that you would record a conversation with somebody you consider a friend if that's what happened. And then kind of weird for him to play this like gotcha clip that kind of really didn't have much to do with the actual uh, negotiations that he had problems with. It seemed to me like he would have been better off coming out and actually having a discussion about how bad the contract clause hurts the cause of the right or libertarian movements that are happening right now. Because if I have to fear YouTube's strikes for my family to be fed, 
then I have to watch what I'm saying every single time I speak on, on the microphone. Right. And that changes the way that if it's a, if you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year or $200,000 a year or whatever Brett Cooper or somebody who's newer like that is making a few hundred thousand dollars, I would assume that that money is important to you. If you're going to get docked 20% of your pay, that's going to significantly impact you where to, you could get down to like only 20% of your pay if you get demonetized on several platforms. So if you're making like $200,000, $400,000 a year, and you get docked 80% of that, then you're making what? Like 40 grand. Like that would be atrocious, right? $80,000 a year for the type of work that they're doing and the breach that they have. Like that's crazy. And so I get that, right? It makes sense that there would be, you know, some type of push towards trying to have these contracts not include something about YouTube censorship or Instagram violations or anything like that. I also get that the Daily Wire is a business who is expecting the monetization of their shows to pay for the salary of the person who they're paying to own their content of, right? So it is definitely an incentive to self-censor on one side of it. And the second side of it is that from a business perspective, it's only it's kind of like a necessary evil in today's world, at least until the Daily Wire Plus gets to where it needs to be to where it's generating enough revenue to pay for influencers to come in and build an audience specifically on their platform and not the ones like YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all of that, right? So I see both sides of this. I don't know who's in the right and who's in the wrong. I do know that I don't necessarily agree with the way that Steven Crowder came out and did this like gotcha moment recording. I don't think that that was really the right move, especially if you're, if he was a friend. Right. And, and, and I also kind of disagree with the way that he burned all these bridges in hopes of building his own platform, because it, the whole movement that ever that is going on here, freedom of speech, freedom of choice, freedom of religion, right. But, but the, the political movement that we're hoping for is the anti-woke anti-censorship movement. Right. And, and so on one side of it, again, I get why this would be frustrating for somebody negotiating a contract, trying to make this movement move along and be better. Right. But I also get the business perspective of the daily wire. I don't know. I'd be interested to see what you guys think, you know, comment, whatever on the videos here, you know, comment on YouTube. Uh, speaking of YouTube, go join the YouTube. If you're not on the YouTube, I post the video episodes every single week. All right. You can go to my link tree at any of the social medias. You can go to the Substack. It will all be linked on there, redpillrevolution.substack.com or redpillrevolution.co. I will be updating the website here over the next week or two, and we'll be starting to put out articles and blog posts and news articles that we're, uh, I'm going to be writing up for you guys and distributing them through the Substack as well. So make sure you sign up there. All right. Now, as far as this situation goes, I don't think this is good for the free speech movement. Although Brett Cooper did come out and say that, you know, Brett Cooper is, I think, 22, 21, 22. Um, phenomenal. Really like her content. She does a great, great job at, uh, obviously, like, she's she's very, very sharp. Um, her content on social media is is very well done. Her lives, everything. She does a really good job at it. You know, all, all of the influencers at The Daily Wire are, are like, top-notch. And so that's why I don't think that this is this is good, right? This overall like tension. Now, this is probably the most drama we've had in the conservative party, at least since like Trump was in office. So 
it is it is uh an interesting time to be you know not on the left side of things uh but Brett Cooper came out and said that this was not in her contract because one thing that Candace Owens said is that she had a problem with the fact that Steven Crowder specifically talked about young and upcoming influencers and there's only one <laughs> young and upcoming influencer and that's Brett Cooper right she's 22 21 22 years old um maybe 23 i don't know but right around there and she you know had she said which is crazy to me that she had like 7000 followers last year at this time and now she has millions which like you know daily wire call your boy i'll jump on there take steven crowder's place <laughs> and uh yeah I'll, I'll, if you want to pay me uh 50 million dollars i'll be happy to 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 i won't even talk about anything that you don't want me to talk about. I won't even bring it up. I won't, I'll, I'll try not to blink. I'll, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. Just, just for 50 million. That's fine. I guess I'll do it. So daily wire, call your boy. I'm happy to take the $50 million contract and I'll censor myself some from literally saying anything you want me to. I'm happy to do it. Happy to do it. Call me up, you know, Austin at redpillrevolution.co. Send me an email. Uh, anyways, but seriously, uh, Brett Cooper said that this was not in her contract. Okay. She said that, you know, and that was something Candace Owens kind of took issue with was that he was specifically kind of alluding to her contract. And, and she came out in a live video yesterday and said, that's not in my contract. I sounds like she negotiated out of it actually, uh, which it also seems like Crowder could have actually negotiated his way out of it. Like many of these other people did, um, but chose to, I don't know, do what he did instead. Uh, but it doesn't seem like all of the people on the Daily Wire actually have that sort of clause in there. So is it in all of the new ones? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But it is definitely not a good look if we're trying to promote freedom of speech, if you're having to have your influencer self-censor, right? Uh, but for $50 million, eh, maybe. <laughs> Anyways, that is what I got for you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Go ahead over to redpillrevolution.substack.com. I will actually be posting articles about each one of these topics this week. Um, I'll be sending them out in the Substack. I will be sending out the, the podcast companion over the next day or two. Uh, look out for it. I'm going to be cutting the clips, doing uh, th this will be coming up the next day. So <clears throat> redpillrevolution.substack.com. That is my big ask. If you are listening to the podcast, go over and subscribe to the YouTube or the Rumble channel or both even better. Uh, you can do so at the link tree, uh, linktree.com slash the Austin J Adams. Um, you can find me on Instagram at redpillrevolt. Uh, or at the Austin J Adams, um, Twitter, the Austin J Adams and truth social TikTok got taken away, but I'm starting to build another one. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But anyways, thank you guys so much for listening from the bottom of my heart. I hope you have a wonderful day and welcome to the revolution. Thank you.